Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Imagine when prophets walked the earth. Man then had a connection to reality through a living being, the prophet. And he, on behalf of the community, gave information from God to the community and through the prophet people saw what it was like to be someone who was in touch with God and they understood that it was their responsibility and their burden and their work to imitate that which they saw so that they could become like that which they saw. In the beginning, God created the awareness to couple with his creation and wisdom was within that awareness over time the multitude of what man encountered within the world stifled his wisdom and his awareness became greater and greater and greater, but his wisdom became smaller and smaller and smaller. But God, in his mercy, sent wisdom into the world on a continuous basis. He sent wisdom through prophets, and he sent wisdom through scriptures, And he continued to send wisdom through beings who were enlightened. Not necessarily prophets, but enlightened beings. Now, these enlightened beings had influence within certain communities and over certain areas. And religion, or what we'll call religion, the deen, the way, was different where those people were than it was where they weren't. Why? Because they carried with them the spirit of the truth. They carried with them the spirit of mercy and compassion. They carried with them hak, reality. And when man is confronted with reality, 
man changes. The mind numbs itself to awareness and is overwhelmed by truth. And this happens when a being who carries truth walks among men. Religion changes when these men are present. For instance, Islam becomes Sufism because Sufism takes into consideration and acknowledges the fact that man can walk in God's spirit in connection with God and bring to this earth truth that is transferable to other men. A true teacher can dispense his level of consciousness to the people around him. He can make them like him. He can bring to them what he has and what he knows. This kind of being will change attitudes in religion. For instance, Judaism in the 1700s had someone called the Baal Shem Tov come into being in the Ukraine. And he was believed to be able to cure people, help people, change people's attitudes. And a new kind of religion formed. Uh, it was called Hasidism, which means the disciples and the teacher. And it became very strong. Strong to the point where the people who didn't acknowledge the fact that the truth could walk among men excommunicated the ones who believed that it could walk among men. Sufism believes that the teacher is someone who can bring to man understanding and a transcendence from awareness to truth. Normative Islam in many instances and during many times became frightened of this as they saw it as a challenge to the religion they practiced which did not have the concept of a man after the prophet who could walk among men and bring them the truth. The concept of a Ketub is not welcomed by all of society, especially the ones who are the clerics within the religious system 
who don't have those qualities and know it and teach only through what has been written. What has been written has power, but it doesn't have the same power as direct transmissions. And the ones who are incapable of direct transmissions deny the fact that direct transmissions exist. And so those who can do direct transmissions, those who Allah has given the permission and the ability to connect to him and transmit are denied uh, credibility. They're denied existence and in many instances have been killed because of that. At other times in the Islamic religion, Sufism took a forefront during a lot of the Ottoman Empire, the sultans had Sufi advisors, and the belief system in men who had transcended and were capable of helping men who haven't transcended was an accepted uh, mode. And because of that, the Ottoman Empire for many years flourished and grew and became an example of mercy and compassion in a lot of instances. In this world today, in our world today, we still have all of these different influences. Now, the Catholic religion believes that the words that come from the Pope are divinely inspired. And as the head of the church, he has, there is a belief system that he has certain capabilities to transmit what is necessary. A lot of other churches also believe that the head of the church can transmit the truth. Now, what we need to understand for our own lives is that we need the truth transmitted to us and that we have to take this truth and transform ourself into transcendence. Billions of people have come to this earth over the history of mankind. It is now our turn to be here. And we are here to live our lives. And we've been given this grace, this opportunity, this great treasure by Allah to live this life. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is how are we going to live it? If we look at the history of mankind, we, from one point of view, can see a history of a repetition of vanities. 
and people taking part in vanities over and over and over, and all of them coming to the same end, the same end that everybody else comes to. We need to recognize that we also come to the same end. And when that end comes, does it really matter if your body is wrapped in silk or in coarse cloth? Does it really matter what you've accumulated during your existence by way of material things? Or are there other things that matter? Uh, a common uh, phrase in the English language is you can't take it with you. Well, that should be self-evident, but people don't act that way. So the next question is, what is it that you can take with you? Is there anything that you can take with you? And how do you accumulate what you can take with you. What is it? That which is unseen has great impact in this world. And we partake in that which is unseen in our life. It begins with faith. Faith, which we can't see, is a power within us that forms an attitude and belief system that other than the physical things that we're aware of, there are other things in existence. Now, the depth of our faith is the depth of our connection to that reality. The depth of our faith is the depth of our connection to that which transcends the elemental. The depth of our faith is one of the steps in transcendence. Now, if our faith is very strong, and if our faith uh, reaches levels of compassion and mercy and kindness and justice, then we become closer to that which is mercy, kindness, and justice. So, as we transcend the worldly awareness, the worldly compulsions, the worldly addictions, the worldly needs, the worldly sorrows, the worldly difficulties, the worldly attitudes, and we change to transcendent attitudes that can see the world for what it is and take the slings and arrows of what the world shoots and throws at us and not be phased by that because our faith is not in that but in that which is transcendent. We do not any longer judge ourselves by what we accumulate in the world. We no longer envision our happiness in our success 
in the world. We no longer see in relation to elemental success. We see in a different way. We understand things in a different way. Um, Did you ever wonder why Muhammad Rahim Ba'u Muhayyadeen didn't have anything personal. He didn't have a collection of things. He didn't have property. He didn't have money. He didn't have cars. He didn't have accumulations. Why? If you look at the life of Jesus, what did Jesus have? If you look at the life of Muhammad, what did Muhammad have as far as worldly accumulations. If you look at the life of Job, at the end, what did Job have? But, what was their attitude, and what was their work, and what did they do? How did they function in their world of no elemental accumulation? How did they function within their world of not needing worldly acclamation or worldly fame. How did they function not needing what the world has to give? And did you ever think that maybe they functioned the way they functioned because they didn't need these things? And they functioned the way they functioned because they didn't have these things? And if they had them, their functioning might have been different. So, from our own eyes, we were able to see that there can be different attitudes towards the world. And there can be enormous success with these entirely different attitudes. But that success is not measured in the way that we measure worldly success. That measure, that, that, that success is measured in the way we measure our attachment to reality. And our attachment to reality becomes the touchstone of success, becomes the reality of success becomes the truth of success. So, the closer we get to Rahman, Rahim, Haq, Kabir, Shakur, the closer we come to success in this life. So, those who are successful in life come closer to Allah. Those who are unsuccessful in life come closer constantly to the world. Yet, they believe in their torpor that they've reached success. They believe in their torpor that they are better than everyone else around them. They believe in their arrogance that they've conquered the world because they've conquered material success. So, 
they're blind to truth. And they're unable to see reality. They can only see the material world through the awareness that Allah gave to them. But they've lost the truth that comes with awareness. They've lost the ability to see things as they really are. They have an altered perspective. And this altered perspective takes hold of large swaths of humanity. And anyone who comes by and who says your reality is altered, you're not seeing things appropriately because you don't know how to see, is called either a heretic or a madman or an apostate or someone who doesn't believe in the truth. And religions are here to spread a version of the truth which is theirs. To get to pure truth is not the nature of religion. Because within religion, there's also the need to control. And in truth, Allah wants you free to be what you were born to be, which is in his qualities. So we each individually have to take that step to acknowledge our freedom to be. We have to acknowledge what it is that holds back our freedom. And interestingly enough, the things that hold back our freedom are the things that people who are trapped in the world of awareness and elemental success think is freedom. In the world, people who express their lust openly think they have a certain kind of freedom. People who express their anger openly think they have a certain kind of freedom. People who control power think that through power they have freedom because they tell other people what to do as opposed to people telling them what to do. But it's not about who tells who what to do. It's about what is it that you do? What is it that you are? What is it that you've taken on as your goal? What is it that you find satisfaction in? The other interesting thing is that the ones who accumulate the world are constantly looking for satisfaction. Um, And they're looking for satisfaction in places where satisfaction is unavailable. In places where satisfaction can't be given. Yet, lifetimes are spent in that method. It's like a dog who has buried a bone and then he finds it a year later and chews on it to get some sustenance. But the bone is incapable of giving him sustenance. But as he chews on the bone, 
the bone rips open the flesh in his mouth and he bleeds. And as he's bleeding and eating this dry bone with the blood, he thinks he's getting some kind of nourishment. But in fact, he's eating his own blood. Our attachment and our success in the elemental world is like that. We are eating up our truth in devotion to thinking that we're getting something out of something that can't give us anything. And eventually we bleed out. And it's over. Somewhere in our life, we have to slow down and we have to get to the point where we have reached an equilibrium. In this equilibrium, we will be able to see more clearly when we look at ourselves as to what is the truth in our life and what is the falsehood in our life. Where do we go that takes us away from the truth and what do we do that takes us towards the truth? And once we get a handle on that, we can begin to move forward. Allah, in His mercy, has sent us those who help us find the truth. He sent us the words of living men to guide us towards the truth. Now, we have to become ones who allow ourselves to be guided. A lot of people believe that if you let someone else guide you, you have lost your freedom. The truth is, you've gained your freedom. Islam means surrender. The ones who believe in the world think that when you surrender, you lose. And depending on who you surrender to, you may in fact lose. But if you surrender to right guidance, there will be a victory here. One of the problems is that a lot of people label things that are not true as right guidance. So you're caught among minefields. Everybody has a sign up that says, my way is the way. Well, the truth is, there's one way, and it's his way. And it embodies love, and it embodies tolerance, and it embodies kindness, and it embodies the ability to see all men as the same. We were all made from clay. We were all made from the elements. God breathed a soul into each of us. And as we see differences, so in that way we are also separated from the truth because there are no differences. And the inability 
to give up the sustaining of our own egocentric methodology of viewing things is one of the things that holds us from freedom. Freedom is in surrender. Freedom is in connecting. Freedom is in being our brother and our sister simultaneously with being ourself. Freedom is becoming God-like and taking on God's qualities. And real life only happens when that occurs. And imagine a treasure greater than the treasure of Rahman. God's name is Rahman. God's quality is Rahman. And he's allowed us to share it. And imagine that when that occurs, there is a transcendence from earth awareness to God awareness. And that transcendence happens in the heart. God's Rahman is too great for the world, but it fits easily into the heart. And it's in the heart that we have to understand the truth resides. And we have to be able to see the world through that heart that has truth in it. And that's how we escape that final resting place. That's how we escape into the eternity that is our Creator. So we have to have the faith that that's going to occur. And then we have to have the fortitude and the certitude and the effort to make it occur. We have to actually do that which we understand to be the truth. We have to become that which we believe. We have to not have reasons why we can't do it at this moment. I can't do it now because. I'll start tomorrow. We only have now. And until we finally conclude that now is now, and there is no later, because every later becomes a now, we are going to be on a treadmill that goes nowhere. So let's plant our feet in the reality of God's creation. Let's give our surrender to the one who guides us rightly. And let's, uh, let's allow ourselves to be taken to the truth. May Allah make that easy for all of us. Amin. Amin. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.